We are on episode number 52, baby. Episode number 52. What are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about how to make yourself more valuable. Because as we start this year, a lot of clients, they're booking new creators. You don't want to get lost in the sauce because there's a lot of competition nowadays. So how can you perceive yourself and present yourself as more valuable? I know Paul got some stuff. He got some gems to drop in this episode, y'all. Yo, I'm going to be honest with you. I think if I look back at the last 10 years of being a freelance creative, I've learned so much in how to provide value to my clients in a way that's going to keep them sticking around. So we're going to really dive into retention because at the end of the day, you can have the best portfolio, you can have the best gear, but what if your clients keep, keep leaving? And also what if you can't land clients? So let's get into it and roll the intro music. Before we get into value and all that, I just got to say, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing a new shirt from Onset Black. Ooh, the plug. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I worked out with this shirt on this morning. I think that's acceptable, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, it's feeling good. We're going to drop the link <laughs> in, um, in the description because there are homies and uh, if you're a freelance producer, creative, entrepreneur, you got to get some. All right. Yes, sir. I mean, Paul, can you chill? Can you chill? Put the guns away, bro. It's a podcast. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get into it. So as Paul mentioned, we're going to talk about a few things on how to keep your clients and how to land more clients uh, if you're struggling with that. And the whole episode is surrounded around how to make yourself more valuable. You know, perceived value is so huge. So before we get into the tips on how to make yourself more valuable, Paul, how has been how has being valuable to your clients been essential as you've grown as like a freelancer and how you've grown as a business? Like, how, why is that such an important thing for your business? Mm. I think it's been essential because I've been able to figure out what works and what doesn't, and also what my clients value most, and how to navigate those conversations. Uh, because ultimately, here's the deal: I think the best client relationships come from clients that are ready to sign up for you for a long period of time, whether it's a retainer or simply they're like, hey, you're our go-to. We're going to keep booking you for all of our one-off projects throughout the year. And the only way that they're going to stick around is if you're providing value to them and you're solving problems for their business. Uh, so that's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, honestly, the only way that I'm able to be an entrepreneur is by having clients that see the value in my services and will book me on for a retainer six to 12 months at a time. I'm a dad of two, I'm a husband, my wife doesn't work. So how the heck am I supposed to project my income otherwise? And I think it really lies into how I'm able to provide that value to my clients time and time again, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think a big thing that people don't realize is that if you don't perceive or present that value for the client, that's where you lose clients. That's where you're not going to make enough money to be a freelancer. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like budget cutting, right? Like when, when a company is cutting costs, let's say, for example, where are they first looking to cut costs if they're cutting salaries? They're cutting the people who they feel is not like not valuable. I, I know it's kind of harsh, but that's just the reality. Like they're mm -hmm. cutting costs in places where they feel like there's no more value, right? We all have Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, all these subscriptions, right? When we go budgeting and we try to figure out what's taking up at a sex amount of money, what are we cutting off first? 
mm-hmm. stuff that we don't use anymore, the stuff that we don't perceive as valuable, right? We are the sa- we are the commodity for these brands. So it's so, so important to make yourself valuable because that's how you're going to succeed. So, you know, you guys already know what it is. We don't, we don't waste you guys' time on this. We're going to get right into some of the tips and tricks on how to be more valuable. So the first one, Paul off the mic was saying, asking the right questions. Can you hit on that a little bit? Like, how can you ask the right questions to make yourself more valuable to the client? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, you got to figure out what their pain points are. I, when I first started working with brands, I came from the portrait world where I'm like, yo, here's package A, B, and C. Let's show up. It's going to be great. I got your favorite music playing on my little JBL. When you're working with a brand, when you're on a discovery call, when you're asking questions, stop talking and start listening first and foremost, but also ask the right questions in order to figure out what their pain points are. Because what you ultimately have to do is figure out how to provide them with a solution or how to make their life easier or help them achieve those goals. And when you're working with brands, for example, let's say e-commerce brands, you got to figure out how to get them in front of more people. And it's not going to be some cookie cutter content. It's going to be you asking questions. And one of my favorite questions is, can you share with me uh, content that has performed really well in the past, like ads that you have ran? I want to see that content to see if it's something that we can achieve with this budget. And they see you as a strategic uh, content creator, not just someone that's looking to, you know, get a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand dollars and then move on. So I'm a huge advocate for asking the right questions. Another question that comes to mind is, um, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of budget, what are you looking to walk away with from this shoot, right? Or this project? Uh, Because you're able to see what their desired outcome is. And if you almost think about it as, you know, getting from point A to point B, if you know what their desired outcome is, then you essentially need to figure out, okay, what is the solution in order to get them to, to that point. Um, so that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in just navigating that value conversation. And also, let's be honest, like depending on where you live or what industry you're in or what your niche is, you can see, you might be looking at the, you know, the freelance creative market is pretty saturated. So how do you mm-hmm. stand out and be a valuable asset in a noisy industry? Asking the right questions. Uh, take, take your time you know, slow down your breath on those calls because they can get uh, kind of scary sometimes. But I don't know, those are the first thing that comes to mind. I'm curious for you, because I know we operate in similar ways with our business, but like what comes to mind for you when it comes to like those questions? Yeah, that's a really good one. I think, well, first off, quick plug, uh, me and Paul actually had an entire podcast episode on this topic right here specifically like asking the right questions so scroll down the list on your if you want to save it for a later listen it's a really good one uh but definitely check it out because it's we kind of go deeper into this topic but i think asking the right questions is so important for me some of the questions that i like to ask is kind of a you know what are you looking like you said what are you looking to achieve with the content that i create because a lot of times these brands don't really know they're just saying like oh we need content We don't know exactly where it's going to go or like we just know that our competitors are making all this content. We just know that we need to be up with the times. And that's like a dead giveaway that you can perceive yourself as valuable to them because you can give them a strategy. You can give them a roadmap. And that is how you make yourself valuable being like, okay, like here's what I do. Here's my package. Yes or no. Because then they're kind of just like, oh, okay, that was kind of 
I don't feel like he really cares. I don't feel like I don't, we don't feel important as a brand. It's all those things. And I love what you said, Paul, about listening, because I think a common mistake that I think we both probably can relate to, maybe if you're listening to this, you can relate to it. If you just had a call, I sometimes still struggle with this, but when I'm on a, a, a discovery call or I'm on some sort of meeting, I used to fill that silence. I, I would, I would be so anxious, like, man, is the client really liking what I'm saying? Are they liking the package? <laughs> I'd be so like up in my own head that I would just try totally. to fill all those silent moments with just fluff. I'd, I'd try to sell myself more, so to speak. But I just had a call yesterday and now I just try to be as silent as possible. I just kind of, if I want them to feel the anxiousness a little bit, I want them to feel like, oh, I need to be respectful of this person's time because they're obviously asking me the right questions. I need to be prepared to answer these questions because I want to work with them. So like, it's seriously just understanding to like asking the right questions is so huge because any industry, it's not just creative work that we're talking here. Like when you go buy a car, when you go into a retail store, the salespeople that stick out to you are the ones that ask you the right questions, not the ones that are trying to like shove something down your throat. It's the ones that are asking the right questions. And it's the same thing with our business. If you want to land these clients, you ask the right questions. And Paul just mm -hmm. gave a few of them. Another one that I love to ask is like, in a perfect scenario, if a budget wasn't a question, if you had all the money to spend, what would that content look like? What would those deliverables look like, right? I love asking that question because it gives me a sense of like what they're dreaming towards. Maybe their budget doesn't align, but when you understand what they're dreaming towards, you can gauge if you can either deliver on that or you can't deliver on that. And these are all the things that will help you understand where they're coming from and obviously help with retention too. I love that. That's money. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to the second one here. Yeah. Do you want to share what we're going to get into? Yes. The second one on how to make yourself more valuable is client experience. And I know Paul got some, Paul got some good ones because I've been on set with him. I've been on as crew. I've seen him. I've shot for him. So I've seen how he works with clients behind the scenes. Like, tell us how you make yourself more valuable by the client experience. Now that you've landed them, going into the shoot, what's next? I'm about to go off. Let's go, baby. All right. So here, here's an analogy. Imagine if you hire a house cleaner and she comes and, you know, you're working on whatever because you're hiring her to clean the house. But then she comes up and knocks on your door and says, hey, I need cleaning supplies. Can you give me your cleaning supplies so I can clean your house? You're looking at her like, I hired you because you're the expert and I want you to do the job. I think photographers out there we need to take control of what we're best at and be the experts. When a client hires you, they're looking at you to tell them on what you think is going to be best. You know, whether, whether you think, whether they, they're going to be asking you whether you, uh, they think uh, location A is better than location B because you've done this before. And that's why I think it's so important with client experience to live in a niche because ultimately you're going to be able to refer back to other clients you've worked with or other scenarios or other campaigns and provide them insights, which ultimately is going to help that client experience. Um, I also love to treat every client like a million dollar client. Mm. Sounds silly, but I don't care if they're a startup. I don't care if they're a national brand. I'm treating them the same. The reason being is that I look back a lot of my clients that I provided value to over the years. And they've stuck it out with me just as much as I've been able to stick it out with them. And they went from a startup to now a brand that you can see in big box stores. 
And I think a huge part of that has been because of just being really good at nurturing, right? Checking in, asking them if they need anything. Um, I remember being on a shoot once and the client was talking about how, you know, she regrets not getting coffee that morning before the shoot. I made sure that after the shoot, I texted her before day two and said, hey, what do you want from Starbucks? We're going to pick it up. Mm. I was the producer on that. I was like the one, you know, I was the director of photography on that shoot. My job wasn't to get the coffee, but I knew that I would ma- it would make her morning better on day two. So I think it's also just being aware um, in any sort of relationship. Like think about your relationships with some of your best friends, whether it's from high school or college. Um you got to be aware and you got to be checking up on them to make sure that they're doing okay. And that if there's anything that they need help with, whether it's hopping on a phone call to work through maybe a problem that they're going through, that you're going to be there for them. So that's where I love to tear down the walls, the scary walls that we sometimes put up in business. And um, I like to say, hey, it's a collaboration. So if you want to have a killer client experience, make it a collaboration, let your client in, and treat them like they're a human versus the president of the United States. And I guarantee you it's going to be a breath of fresh air. Mic drop. That's a wrap. We should just end the podcast episode right here. (laughs) It's something that uh, I'm passionate about because listen, just through doing the podcast, we've had some people reach out and say, hey, I have a question about this client that's ghosting me or won't pay up on time. Yes, there's bad clients out there. But I think ultimately it's on you to create a client experience that's super enjoyable and also is going to increase retention mm-hmm. for your business. Yeah. And we've talked about this on other episodes too, but tying in, which is being an enjoyable person to work with, right? Like how yeah. you are on set and how enjoyable you are to be around. It might not always get you a call back because sometimes the projects don't fit, but if you're unpleasant to be around, you're for sure not going to get a call back. Even if your work is great, at least that is for me. I know me and Paul align on that. Like I'm not gonna work with someone or hire someone, or this can go with both the brand too. Like I'm not gonna work with the brand if the experience was just trash. I don't care if they got tons of money and they're willing to pay me tons of money. I'm like, I don't wanna work with you just because the experience was just trash. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing that it's the other way around. You know, like if we're pleasant to be around, yeah, you, we might be a little more expensive, but they still want to work with us because the client experience, which is, again, tying into the episode topic, making yourself more valuable, right? Asking the right questions, guys, making the client experience epic for them, you know, making it, you know, efficient, making it comfortable for them, making it, you know, make more sense for them to hire you again. These are all things that will make you more valuable. Hey, touch on communication real quick. Communication? Like in what part? Talk about the power of communication when it comes to client experience. Cause let's be honest, like I'd say you and me do a pretty good job at getting back to emails uh, and also like staying true to our word and maybe even like going above and beyond. I think there's a lot, a lot of uh, freelancers that are maybe poor communicators that would gain value from even like us sharing ways that we make sure that we're checking in or having strong communication with our clients. That's client experience. Dude, this is this is so good. I actually have my email open right in front of me right now. And I'm gonna <laughs> read you guys some some excerpts of a conversation I just had yesterday with one of the brands that I work with. I think this would be important information that'd be helpful for you guys. If you're listening to this, 
I'm not going to say the name or the brand, but if you listen to the podcast, you know who you are. So I appreciate you. But essentially, the we're working on. I'm looking on landing a project for this brand. It wasn't going direction that I necessarily wanted it to, but they gave a very thorough response. Like they gave a very thorough response on why it's not a good direction and why like maybe it's not the right fit at the moment. Now this is where the communication comes in, guys, because I could have been like, we'll go again with client experience. With that in mind, I could have been. Little bit more cold, I could have been like, Well, shoot, well, she's not going to work with me. I'm just going to throw the towel in and be like, Okay, thanks, bye. You know, which I know a lot of creators do because they get salty about putting a lot of times into treatments or pitch decks or whatever, right? So I basically said, basically appreciating them for their transparency and their detailed response that it means a lot to me and that I want to support their goals for 2023 and that maybe we can re we can pivot and move to something that makes the sense for both of us. She said, I'm reading her quote. She said, thank you for the speedy response. So quick response. Your professionalism, communication skills, and transparency keep impressing me. It's not every day I meet content creators at your level. Thank you for understanding. Do you see how like just those small sentences seriously can go a long way? Because even though we're not working together on this project, because our communication is strong, it can lead to more work down the line. It can lead to a better relationship. These are all the things that make us as creators seem more indispensable and seem more valuable to brands that we work with. So yeah, communication to answer your question is huge. Like if you guys aren't, you know, on top of your responses, you're not giving thorough responses to your brands and your clients that literally how crappy would it be you have everything down. Like you're, you're super talented. You know how to put together great visuals and everything. But just because you can't respond to an email within 24 hours, the brand won't work with you. Like that's just a shame. You know what I mean? Like I know there's a lot of people here that maybe deal with that, but it's like it goes a long way being on top of the communication aspect and not just being on top of the timing of it, but just being cool, you know, just being transparent. If they're not, if it's not going the direction that you want, be professional about it and see how you can pivot to still keep them close. That's like something that's really Dang. helped me in the last five years of my business. That's, I love hearing like a real life example. And um, I mean, just, you know, that said from uh, us being friends and co-hosts together, mm -hmm. but like, I think all these things work together, these pillars in freelance business where it's, or entrepreneurship, where it's like your positioning, your portfolio, pitching, pricing, and then client experience, it all needs to be dialed. Uh, you can have the best portfolio, but if your client experience sucks, guess what? You're going to have a hard time retaining clients. Uh, vice <laughs> versa. If your client experience is great, but your portfolio sucks, your clients are going to be like, you're a nice guy, but we're going to have to go elsewhere for content because, you know, we noticed that your content kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a given. I mean, one thing that I would just love to mention with our podcast is, you know, we, me and Paul, we talk about a lot of like business and knowledge and I'm like, and we're not trying to give you guys like a secret sauce or a hack to make money when you're not a good creative. Like that's not what we're about. Me and Paul, you should see what we do off the mic. We're super perfectionists when it comes to like our work and our feed and all this kind of stuff. Like it's a given without saying we expect everyone who listens. Once you implement the business stuff, we're not saying neglect your like no, no secret business hack is going to make you money if you're not talented as a creative. You have to be talented first, get that dialed, continue to work on that. It's an ongoing process. Now the business stuff definitely helps you make money, 
But I just want to make that a point because maybe some people are listening are like, oh shoot, well, like these business tips are going to get me to a six figure business. It's like, like Paul said, if your portfolio isn't dialed, I would definitely not neglect that. You should still work on that because that mm-hmm. is also how you're going to make yourself more valuable. That's so good. That's good. Um, the third thing, the final point that we'd love to talk about on how to make yourself more valuable is being ready to pivot. Now, Paul, I just want to ask you, because I know that you work with some pretty big brands, you've launched some pretty big contracts, but I know that the deliverables have changed over the quarters or over the years for some of your retainer clients. Now, how have you pivoted for some of those um, projects and why has like being flexible been such an essential part of like being valuable to your client? That's good. I think being flexible is necessity is a necessity in any business, but ultimately like I have almost laid out my non-negotiables for most of my clients. Um, so whenever I've had big contracts come in for one-offs or retainer contracts that are renewing, I'm open to whatever they're looking for because they know about their business more than I do. Like, yeah, I'm an expert with photo and video and like I can consult you all day on content strategy, but like this is a brand or a decision maker that eats, sleeps, breathes their product or their service. So who am I to come in and be like, no, we're only doing it this way. Um, Mm. So that's why I think that your business can't be a one size fits all. Like as far as like what your deliverables are, it can't be package A, B, and C and the industry of working with commercial or advertising or uh, brand clients. Um, so one thing I like to do is, you know, if my client asks me like, hey, can you put something together? I'll put something together. Otherwise, I'm leaning on them. And also by me opening that dialogue up and saying, hey, I'd love for you guys to show me what you're thinking for this next project versus me telling you what deliverables you should have. It's the whole like, why prescribe that prescribe them to something? Um, first diagnose them and ask them the right questions. And then if they're looking for a prescription, give them it. But if they're not, uh, lean on them and let them tell you what they're looking for. I think that's like a huge thing that I've learned and it's helped me increase my budgets and also increase value. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think that's really good. I think for me, uh, like everything that you said, I just like to basically double down on it, just being flexible. Cause who are we to say to the marketing director or to the social head, like, nah, that's not going to work. Or this is my process. And we're going to like exert that. Right. Cause it's like, they've, they've done their, you know, trusting that they're a big brand with a big budget, or they're just trying, they've done their due diligence and figuring out who they want to work with. So it makes sense that we respect those boundaries and we're not trying to like force our processes or force our workflow onto other clients. Cause that's, that can be, a way that kind of scares them away because mm-hmm. you know packages you know paul hit on packages a little bit packages can be great for certain industries like weddings or let's say you're doing product photography and that's literally the only thing you do in a specific niche like yes like packages work i would just say though like just from my own experience maybe paul too like when you're first freelancing and you're first starting your business there you get inquiries for so many random things like you get you get inquiries in different wide range of industries, wide range of niches, different budgets. Like it's kind of all over the place in the beginning. And so if that's where you're at, don't stress yourself out trying to like lock in ABC package because it just doesn't work that way. And personally, mm-hmm. like me being on the receiving end of some of, you know, the package stuff sometimes, 
it's not the best feeling when you get like a here fit into one of these categories because you just feel like another you're just putting them into another box right mm-hmm. they want to feel like they're taken care of again client experience like if they feel like you've really listened to them you've asked the right questions you're like really like involved with the, what they want then you can do a custom package they feel like they've been heard you feel like you've listened and they feel like you're up, you're providing that maximum value so for mm-hmm. me um as far as like pivoting goes one thing that really comes to mind that's more top of mind as well with the current climate of just creating content is like right now brands are really looking for TikTok, you know, reels, UGC content. Like you and I, maybe a lot of people listening, we we miss the times where we post stuff on Instagram like photos or 16 by 9 videos, right? Like everything's vertical video now. Like I just I have some of my bigger budget projects where they're like, "Yeah, we want like reels, so can you kind of format everything for vertical?" And I'm like, I ain't trying to hold my red Komodo vertical. That's just, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a sin. <laughs> so like for me, I've had to pivot my business in that way. But the thing is going into making yourself more valuable. Imagine a client comes to me. They're like, Ed, we know your process is like this. We've paid you this amount of money. We want to add a reels and, you know, TikToks to the mix because we feel like it's valuable, right? This is what you don't want to do. What if I was like, no. I don't do reels and TikToks. Like you're going to have to find someone else that does that. Now, mm-hmm. yeah, true. They might still work with me, but wait until a filmmaker comes along that either has someone that they've worked with that does reels they bring along with them, or maybe they have enough bandwidth to do it themselves. I am now like dispensable. Like they can get rid of me because why would they work with me if there's someone who can do reels and do the content That's really good. that I want to do? So like, it's just so important that as a freelance creative, as someone trying to grow their business, you have to be ready to pivot. Don't be so mm-hmm. rigid in your ways. And, you know, it's it's tough because there's so many wide age ranges nowadays, like with the production world. This is a whole nother topic, but like I, I just see like some of the older production guys, you know, like me and Paul, we've been on set, like people who are like in the film industry, they're just like, they're stuck in their ways because they've just done that one role. You know, they've just done that one thing, which is fine. There's a time and place for that. But yeah, just making a more general statement, I think everyone listening here right now is people who are trying to adapt to this creator economy, right? Trying to grow their social mm-hmm. following. They're trying to get bigger budget clients. They're trying to do, you know, stuff that's more adaptable, I guess, in the social media climate. We're not just like only a gaffer or we're not like only doing lighting and only getting paid a day rate for that. Like we're trying to do the whole thing, the whole spectrum, which is just even why it's more important that you need to be ready to adapt, ready to pivot when your client wants to. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a dance. When they move, you got to be ready to move too. Because if you're yep. too rigid, that's when I feel like clients will drop you. You know? Yep. It's almost like, don't be the jack of all trades creator, but simply be the Swiss army knife. Like, yeah. if your client's looking for something that is in your capabilities, and even if it costs more money and it doesn't fall within the budget, be be transparent and be like, we can do that. It's going to cost a little bit more, but there's no doubt in my mind that we can provide you with that. And um, I think also one thing I just want to say is like, when it comes to pivoting, take time to slow down in order to provide value to your clients. And it sometimes, you know, comes with pivoting scope or pivoting uh, what the deliverables are going to look like and being like, all right, solely fine. We can make it happen. Because like Ed, some, Ed, Ed was saying, you can easily be replaced if you're not willing to be flexible. And I think, when I think of flexible, I also think you got to be flexible with the things like usage and licensing, right? So think about in your business, like when it comes to even like 
pricing. What mm-hmm. are the things that you're willing to be more flexible on? And um, I would never discount price. I would simply just adjust deliverables. And that's something that me and Ed have uh, touched on for quite some time. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, don't adjust price necessarily, but deliverables huge. Like if your rate is 5,000 and the thing is when brands say, this is a perfect tie into the kind of the last part of this podcast is when brands say we don't have budget, a lot of times it's not that they don't have a budget. It's usually that the budget you're trying to charge them, they don't see the value. They don't think, let's say your project rate is $5,000 for X deliverables. When they're like, hey, that's a little too high. It's not because they don't have $5,000 in the bank. It's mm-hmm. usually never the case, like nine times out of 10. It's usually because the deliverables that you've presented them, they're like, we don't think that's worth $5,000, right? But you as a creator, you as a business owner, you still have to make 5,000 to put food on the table, to pay your bills, to grow your business. So how do you, what's the common ground? What's like, what's the medium? You meet them in the middle and you up the deliverables or you up, you add another reel in, add 10 more photos in, add one little 15 second cut in, you know, add one more revision, like get to make you basically make yourself more valuable, make that 5,000 look more valuable than it was previously. And so if you do this, you will find yourself, as Paul mentioned, keeping more clients, keeping their amount longer, they'll pay you more money in the long term. It's just, it works out better in the long run. That's good. I got a golden nugget um, along those lines. Go for it. It helped. It it took me from like, you know, multiple, like, Three thousand dollar projects to launching ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar projects with clients, and mm-hmm. it's getting them on a discovery call and asking them the scary question that a lot of us struggle with: "What's your budget?" Mm-hmm. And guess what? When they say we don't have a budget, again, like Ed said, it doesn't mean they necessarily don't have money. It's they need to better understand your process, how you typically work, and what you're capable of, and. I love pivoting that conversation and that response to them being like, oh, we don't have a budget is, all right, I want to better understand your budget because my goal is to work with my clients long-term. The longer we work together, the more value you're going to get and the more I'm going to get to know your business. So with that, what if I told you that if you told me your budget, we might be able to, rather than blow that on just one shoot, we could break that up into a few over six months to build that content bank or to build that content for your website or to build that content for that launch. So don't be afraid to ask those questions because I think it's a really awesome door into providing them the value they need. Um, so yeah, take yeah, that tip. That's, Bring it into your discovery calls. Do that. Just seriously apply what Paul just said in your next discovery call and you'd be surprised. Like Paul said, it's honestly, it comes down to confidence, guys. Like, you know, Sometimes you just have to ask those hard questions and those hard questions, it takes practice. You can't just have, if you're first starting out, you can't just have one discovery call and just crush it. Like me and Paul probably been on hundreds, if not thousands of discovery calls to get to a point where we feel more confident to ask those hard questions. Like it takes time. So like don't rush the process, but it's good to keep these things in mind. If you're looking to land more clients or you just find yourself in problems where clients are just not booking you, not calling you back, all these things we talked about in today's episode, hopefully will help you kind of break those barriers and those obstacles down. That's awesome. Yeah, and go check out the podcast episode we did on the mock discovery call because we really do Dude, unpack got, some good questions. we got questions. episodes lined up. We got episodes yeah, go lined up Yeah, go check out some everything. of our latest episodes. Ed, let's wrap up this conversation with sharing a little bit, little bit about what we're working on 
with mid-combo um, in these upcoming months? For sure. We're super excited. Um, me and Paul off the mic have been planning a lot of stuff for mid-combo for 2023. As you guys know, we love hopping on the mic. Um, me and Paul have had a few in-person episodes. We love chatting in person because obviously there's the audio experience, but for some who are watching the video format and just in general, I feel like conversation flows better when it's in person. So me and Paul have plans to essentially have more opportunities. We're trying to create more opportunities where we can meet some more freelancers, creatives, entrepreneurs. We want to get more guests on board and have those in-person episodes to bring more value to you guys because me and paul i mean we could chop it up all day on the mic but we we don't have we don't have all the experience we don't have all the knowledge so we want to like figure out the whole point of this uh this podcast was to meet other people to have those conversations to bring you guys on the journey and figure out where else we can find value so we have a trip coming up to actually los angeles it's our first one bro we got some fire we got some fire guests coming on super excited about la because we're going to be able to get in person again um, meet some of you guys. And I think ultimately when we started the mid convo, when Ed started and then when he brought me on, we want to have conversations around things that most creative entrepreneurs aren't willing to have conversations about. Um, and I feel like the best way to do that is to bring other experts on. So you guys are definitely going to recognize some of the guests that we're going to be bringing on these upcoming episodes. And as always, if you guys enjoyed this episode or past episodes, we're trying to get those reviews up on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Um, so give a, go give us a five star, go write in a review. It goes a long way because we want to get in front of more freelancers that are trying to grow and build their businesses. Woo, that was a good episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the listen and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Sheesh, peace.